Chapter Ten, Part Three of Guide to the Study of the Christian Religion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Robert Smith. Part Three, Church Administration, Definition and Scope. As already indicated, this title might seem to be synonymous with church polity, but if the latter term be kept the study of historical forms of church organization and their significance in the changing conditions of today, we may conveniently discuss under church administration the problems of the organization of modern church life. With the enlarging activities in the church, the development of distinct types of churches, the relation of churches to the welfare and reformative movements of the time, and the emphasis on the expressive aspect of religion. This subject has attained great importance. The efficiency of the minister today is to no small extent a question of administrative ability. Church Types The complexity of church administration arises from the fact that the social conditions of our day have inevitably produced different types of churches, we no longer have simply large and small churches, those of cultured people and those of the less educated, all of which may be virtually of the same type, calling for exactly the same kind of administration. But we have very marked diversities of condition which demand new organization and activity. The Family Church The traditional American church still continues in the towns, in the small cities, and in the suburbs of large cities. While it has some new and very pressing religious responsibilities in the direction of relating itself to the social progress of our times, its administrative problems are relatively simple, having to do with efficient systems of finance, the organization of the membership in significant activities, and the newer opportunities of religious education largely conceived. The Downtown Church the crowding of metropolitan sections has resulted in the recession of the well-to-do classes into exclusive residence districts and into suburbs. The great church, which at one time included the ablest people of the city, becomes stranded in a boarding-house district. The gravest administrative problems immediately arise. The population is larger than ever. The religious need is greater than ever. The necessity of expert leadership is enhanced. Money must be raised in excess of what the ordinary congregations can supply. Teachers and workers of a higher grade than the neighborhood can furnish are required. And the contest with cheap amusement, and among a population in which no family ties contribute to church allegiance, the advertising and follow-up methods of business life become imperative. The pastor, while endeavoring to keep a study, must also have an office. He must have an assistant, a secretary a stenographer, filing cabinets, card catalogues, etc. The administration of such a church becomes a serious and complicated problem. The Institutional Church The downtown church usually finds that it has opportunity and necessity to make larger appeal to its parish than the conventional church ordinarily undertakes. The problem of evil amusement must be met by the provision for healthful recreation, athletic, social, dramatic. The natural gathering of young people into groups and societies can be very well supervised by the church. Industrial classes, vocational classes, and various other educational opportunities may be provided. 
The church may even become an employment agency, a bank, a boarding-house registry. It may do anything for the welfare of the community. Such highly developed churches have been rather infelicitously called institutional. It is manifest that the administrative problems of such organizations are increasingly complex. Large funds have to be raised. Many experts have to be employed. Considerable inventiveness and initiative are necessary to keep it in the current of the community life. The Union Church There are numerous conditions in which Protestantism finds itself unable to maintain its life in its present divided state. Sometimes the downtown district, more often in the sparsely settled suburbs, quite generally in the new community, it is simply impossible that there should be four or five denominational churches. The necessities of the case result in a return to the parish church in which denominational affiliations are either minimized or abandoned, and in which the conditions of membership are the broad spiritual requirements of common Christianity. The problems of organization here arise from the peculiar necessity of adapting the church to its local situation. The Rural Church It has been a question whether the country church could survive. The movement of the children of former church members to the cities, the tenancy of farms by foreigners, the emphasis of denominationalism in the face of lessening numbers, have been serious causes of the decline of the country church. But there are encouraging signs that the country church has a great future. With the development of social interests in the farming communities, a new type of church, much the same as the institutional church of the cities, has a great opportunity to contribute to the enlargement of life, intellectual, aesthetic, recreational, as well as specifically moral and religious. If the economic handicaps of denominationalism can be overcome, there are possibilities of the development of a vigorous church life under spiritual leadership. If this is to be done, it is evident that men of unusual strength must devote themselves to the pastoral management of such churches, that they must have a peculiar training which will fit them to understand thoroughly the problems of the communities which they serve. Interesting suggestions are being made regarding a possible alliance between the theological seminary and the agricultural school in the training of the country minister. Specialism in the Ministry It is evident that whatever interest may still attach to the significance of the orders of the ministry, the actual conditions of modern church life compel attention to the different types of ministry. Of these, there are at least four. The preacher, the teacher, the pastor, and the administrator. One of the most difficult problems before us today lies in this necessity of specialism. The preaching ministry. The question as to whether the preaching function of the ministry may be maintained never arises in the presence of a real preacher. He dominates the situation. He is the minister, and whoever else may be included in the leadership of the church are his assistants. It not infrequently happens that the orator has less fitness for the other functions of the ministry, and inefficiency may therefore result. The Teaching Ministry The developing educational work of the church demands peculiar specialism entirely different from that of the preacher. A most significant administrative question today is whether the church will be willing to put its ministry of teaching on a par with that of preaching. In many cases, the educational leader is not ordained. 
the pastoral ministry for many reasons the preacher should be the pastor and yet this becomes increasingly difficult in large churches the service of the pastoral ministry calls for peculiar gifts and abilities and it cannot be satisfactorily discharged by the ordinary assistant minister sometimes by sheer force of pastoral goodness an indifferent preacher sustains his work but there is a possibility of specialism with a significant place for the real pastor the administrative ministry the large and elaborately organized churches always have various assistants in administrative capacities an important question is whether there is place for a man not necessarily ordained who by special training in the executive phases of church life shall be able to take the leadership of the church in its great modern developments church architecture the enlargement of functions with the graded educational work of the church is requiring a new type of building our churchly feelings are stirred by the traditional forms of ecclesiastical architecture the gothic holding the first place but the churchly structure is to be an auditorium and connected with it must be opportunities for the religious exercises of many different groups together with numerous separated classrooms and in addition society rooms club rooms kitchen and dining room lecture room and perhaps gymnasium bowling alley and even swimming pool these problems are particularly acute where the needs of the community call for a diversified work and where the funds available do not permit of an elaborate building as function must always determine form in every structure it is evident that new and most interesting problems confront the church architect there is necessity here for some cooperation between the practical leaders of the church and the schools of architecture the latter have made scarcely any attempt to understand the needs of the modern church the organization of churches the constitution whether the constitution of the local church is provided for it by a larger body or is the product of its own independent requirements it will have little relation to the new testament beyond a very few central points the reason that the modern church is concerned with so many matters that did not affect the primitive church the constitution therefore or the bylaws of the church rules must develop in accordance with the demands of efficiency group organizations the important practical questions regarding subordinate organizations within the church are one by what authority they shall be organized two to what extent they shall be supervised three what relation they shall have to other agencies of a similar character, so that the whole work of the church may be correlated without gaps and without overlapping. Important developments of modern times have been the sex and age differentiations within the church. The official positions, the direction of missionary activity, the provision of financial support, have been for the most part in the hands of the adult men. Women's organizations were formed to secure specific interests or service from women, and later came specific organizations to give young people a larger opportunity. It has finally become necessary to secure a larger place in activity for the adult men who are rather left out of account in the multiplying societies. Numerous men's organizations have therefore of late come into being. Financial Methods The church has become a very complicated financial organization. As endowments are few, the large budgets must be raised entirely by voluntary contribution. 
people may have the benefit of an expensive plant and large ministries and yet decide for themselves whether they will pay anything for the privilege a vigorous church may have a dozen treasuries each needing to be constantly supplied carelessness at any point means disaster no church does good work whose finances are mismanaged a marked sign of religious vitality is the willingness of people to give in large sums and constantly to the enterprises in which they believe great importance therefore attaches to the orderly management of the securing and dispersing of funds usually money for the current expenses of the church regarded as a definite indebtedness is kept distinct in fact and in thought from the missionary and philanthropic contributions regarded as benevolence but the greatest efficiency requires that every member of the church and congregation shall be a contributor to both of these regularity is also of prime importance and the system of weekly giving is becoming more and more common able businessmen should have these matters in charge the pastor being relieved of all specific responsibility subordinate societies should be subject to some supervision as to their financial affairs the plan of having a single treasury with which all the societies bank their funds is receiving thoughtful consideration the organization of parochial work efficiency in religious work depends upon adequate skilled oversight and large voluntary activity the church is best conceived as an organization of the religious people of the community for the largest service to the community it is organized friendliness the organization being necessary because of the number of friends and the number to be befriended various methods are in operation for the division of the church membership for mutual acquaintance and help and for the visitation of the unchurched this is peculiarly the work of the pastor and one of his largest opportunities will be in seeing that every member has some helpful duty assigned to him and that every possibility of helpfulness is adequately grasped interdenominational relations the parish in the days of a single state church the limits of jurisdiction and responsibility for each local church were readily defined upon a geographical basis everyone within that area was in the parish of the pastor within a given denomination the territory is still roughly divided into parishes and each church is supposed to be responsible for the denominational interests within its more or less uncertainly defined jurisdiction some very acute intra-denominational problems are here involved and in many cases much energy is wasted through competition among churches of the same name some method of more definite parochial division is greatly needed within most of the religious bodies the problem is much more acute however when from four to twenty denominations are operating within the same territory in communities where there are enough members of each body to sustain a vigorous church there is no particular difficulty except that no single church feels the proper responsibility for the great mass of the unchurched where the population is not sufficient to sustain all the bodies the condition is often unsatisfactory and sometimes deplorable movements of comity cooperation and union are thus very much to the fore interdenominational comity although rivalry and competition among christian bodies unhappily still continue it is being generally realized that the religious situation of today calls at least for certain agreements and divisions of labor 
no church should start an outstation where it will rival a similar undertaking of another body in the establishment of new churches the religious needs of the district should be considered in a broad way the organization of the federal council of the churches of christ in america is a hopeful movement toward a more effective organization of the protestant forces and the elimination of useless and harmful competition a local council of this federation ought to be organized in every community the reports of the federal council and of its commissions ought to be in the library of every church and the subject of its earnest study interdenominational cooperation there are many respects in which actual cooperation can take place and the federal council is the best agency for projecting and conducting plans to this end the unchurched population may be definitely canvassed and divided among the churches effort may be made to bring all the children of the community to the sunday school a community house may be established for recreative purposes or affiliation with the christian associations may secure the same results evangelistic campaigns may be conducted indeed unlimited endeavors for community betterment may be undertaken in this way we are only at the beginning of the possibilities of church cooperation the newly awakened interest in religious education concerning which there is so little opportunity for difference of opinion and in which denominations markedly diverse may unite is particularly favorable for this larger cooperation church unity the christian church is about equally divided between those who look for the organic union of christian bodies as the only possible ideal toward which to strive and those who regard the division of the church into a few great denominations as the most reasonable and effective method of promoting the religious interests probably a great deal of energy is being employed in talk about unity by those who are not willing to make the slightest sacrifice of personal opinion or attitude in order to secure it some very interesting attempts are actually being made in small suburbs and in rural districts to have a single protestant church connected with no denomination in which the largest liberty shall be permitted in the matter of religious opinion probably we have not yet reached a point where anything more can be said than that each community must endeavor to meet its own problem in the most economical and effective way if there are a few ultra denominationalists a union of the churches would probably do more harm than good and it is a question whether the failures have not been as significant as the successes some special phases of this problem will be more properly discussed in connection with missions the church and the community the church and other social institutions many churches do not yet recognize that a great deal of work which was once entirely under ecclesiastical control is now more properly undertaken by other agencies the state is constantly assuming responsibility for larger and larger areas of social interests and of those social activities which must still be undertaken by private organizations many appeal to a wider constituency than that of the religious community all earnest citizens are interested in kindergartens hospitals playgrounds the prevention of crime the extinction of tuberculosis child welfare etc the church must not feel jealous of these goodly endeavors outside of its own communion but must rather encourage its members to enter into all of them inspiring them with its own religious fervor and motive it will often be desirable for the church to hand over activities in which it has been greatly interested because a larger number of persons may thus be secured to engage in them relation to philanthropy 
and moral education. While there are many social activities into which the church can enter only through its individual members, there are others in which it may have a part organically. This is particularly the case as regards the charities and juvenile protective agencies. On account of the personal character of the relations involved in these endeavors, each church may well undertake, in connection with the city or community organization, certain specific responsibilities, such as the care and comfort of particular families or of particular children. This is an extension of its pastoral office which it should eagerly seek to make. In this way, the philanthropies may be furthered, the same time the church may secure the educational opportunity of sending its own trained workers, clerical and lay, and more and more the latter, into genuinely social endeavors. In order to promote the social interest, the survey ought to be in every church library, as far as possible, in every home. Relation to Political and Reform Movements Great care is needed in relating the church as an organization to movements which involve specific political and social theories. The church is for all the people, and there are religious people in all the political parties and on both sides of many social issues. Yet the church may lose its moral leadership by being too timorous. If some religious people think that the state has no right to regulate the labor of women and children and the hygienic conditions under which workmen shall be employed, the church is not obliged to hold itself silent in deference to their wishes. We can have no social progress until we share the prophetic passion for social justice. Perhaps there is no more difficult problem before the preacher and teacher of today and the tactful yet courageous appeal to have the church take its place in social reform. End of chapter 10, part 3